What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Sunday night edition of the Full Ride on the Chase Thomas podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined, as I am all the time on this Sunday evening, it's fellow UNG alumni Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. I'm uh, I've had better days, you know. But uh, it was, even though my it wasn't the best Saturday for uh for us red and black fans. It uh, the sun still rose this morning, and uh, it was an amazing day outside. Actually, I actually mowed the lawn this morning <laughs> or this afternoon, I should say. So uh, it was nice. Felt good out. You are really, really but, adapting uh, yeah. that uh, suburban dad life you even you, like Got you're to, ready man. to go no kids yet and you're already doing the the whole let me go mow my grass and like admire my my man handiwork of i mean you got works. to man we're on like a half acre you know so uh you gotta uh you gotta get, gotta get out there yard work is the most just unrewarding <laughs> job ever man it's like nobody notices it when it looks good but everyone notices it when it looks bad you know and it's just like every That's other true. week you gotta, you gotta get out there do you have an HOA? No, we're just we're kind of off of a. We're like it's not an actual neighborhood, but it's just kind of like a a side street and like a street off a street kind of thing. You know, it's not an actual entrance to a neighborhood or anything like that. Do you live in a bunker or like a a shed? Out like is there a road to get to where you're? Dude, everyone, everyone has like me and Tori start calling them rape sheds. <laughs> everyone oh, no. has like these sheds out back. It's like some of them are like super shady looking but some of them are like nice just like utility like extra storage kind of thing and it's funny because we'll like we'll walk by houses they're like oh no they have a nice rape shed right there <laughs> that's a nice one it was it's funny we said that the other day but um yeah it's uh it's it's kind of solid because ours is kind of built onto the back it's like attached to ours it's like kind of an extra garage kind of thing mm. uh it's actually zeus's soccer academy uh out there he uh he's, he's a great soccer player Zeus, but he is man. We well, you know uh, we he's get, not a great after it. You know what he's little, not great at. What's that? Picking home dogs of the week. You bite your tongue, sir. <laughs> he was going against the spread. He wasn't. He wasn't talking win or lose. He's just. He's a. He's just making people money out there. I was gonna <laughs> hype up Zeus for his lock home dog of the week. Kansas State was a 12, 12 and a half point dog. What was the final score? Where they lose by two? Yeah, they, they did cover. Oh yeah, you don't just you don't just walk into uh, the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas, and, and get a twelve and a half point victory. I don't think so, sir. <laughs> Zeus knows his stuff. I hope he Torbis. goes undefeated just to prove that we're all just we have no idea what we're talking about, and all yeah, of this Zeus, is dumb. Well, uh, well, Zeus will definitely have his uh, weekly pick moving forward. I like Tori it. was uh, Tori was disappointed because we got that was like such a good picture we got of him to to post, and mm-hmm. she's like. 
I have this great picture, but he's got Kansas State hanging. <laughs> I can't really use this picture for anything. It's like, uh, well, no, she could have done both. She could have just done one with uh, one with it in front and one without it. Yeah, that's what we're gonna have to do. It's he's he's tough. He he uh he's tough to have photo shoots with. He doesn't he didn't like the camera. That was a good picture though. He seemed pretty into it. Oh yeah, it was a quality picture. Um, you don't you don't see you don't get to see the behind the scenes though. All the work that went into getting exactly. him to sit still for a second. Exactly. Um. Well, anyway, you can uh, you can uh, go check out chasetomspodcast dot com to get access to all the previous episodes of the full ride and other episodes of the show um go check out uh, us on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts uh, leave us a, re- a review rating all that good stuff on apple it helps we promise um go check out the patreon at patreon.com slash chase thomas writer oh and then subscribe to my Substack, my newsletter that i do every saturday it's free it's awesome it's my favorite thing to write each week you can find that at chase thomas is writing.substack.com um yeah so go go ahead and do all that matt uh how did you how did you divide your time on saturday how did you spend your your college football watching i feel like uh i was a little disappointed with our noon with the noon slate this week i uh for some reason sec network didn't give us a noon kickoff i was real disappointed i like had to wait around till till 3 30 for the georgia florida game to get our first like you know Real interesting game. Although we got some, we got some good ones like with USC, uh, USC Arizona State. That just for God knows reason, God knows why, starting at nine a.m. local time, uh, Arizona State just gave that game away. I, well, that was, we'll get to that. Yeah, but that was watched some of that, um, and then obviously watched Georgia Florida, and then uh, the the the. Prime time one, Clemson, uh, Notre Dame. It was a uh, it was a solid solid Saturday for college football. How about yourself? You really undersold the twelve o'clock. Like anything, like you being upset that they didn't have the SEC network had what Vanderbilt, Mississippi State on at three thirty. Yeah, that's true. That's that was a terrible game. I I, I wouldn't have even watched it if it was at noon. If bro. only there were <laughs> other conferences playing on Saturday that you could have watched at noon on. There weren't very many good Texas West Virginia. That was the best matchup. Michigan Indiana. I mean, Indiana kind of worked them. Was that even yeah. a good game? I mean, it was a it was a stunner. Liberty, Virginia Tech. Oh man, that's that. Are we? I don't know if we want to get into it right now, no, but no. that was that was my uh, that was my bonehead of the week right there. <laughs> are you adding a new segment, the bonehead segment of the week? Oh yeah, man. It's not a every weekend. It's not an every week thing, but uh, sometimes we do it. But um, I don't. Just, it's honest mistake. You can't blame the coach. But uh, I just don't know how I would feel as a player on the team. That was we just have like one of the greatest wins in like NCAA history. Like blocked field goal, take it back to the house. Like that's like an all time moment right there. And then the timeout just ruined everything. Not great. Um. No, no news really um, over the weekend, other than like Washington State not having sixty-seven players available in their victory over Oregon State um, in their kickoff game. Um, that was weird, but uh, yeah, uh, no news on my front. Is there anything news related that you would like to get to before we get into did, where Chase won again? Did they did they give a reason why that Cal game was suspended? Was it or was postponed? Just one player. That was it. That's what I saw. I hadn't circled back on it since it was canceled. Uh, I'm that's, not sure. Uh, that's wild. But yeah, that was um. So that one was 
retracted from our pick em. So we mm-hmm. only had 10 games this week. But, uh, but yeah, do you want to get into the uh, how we did this past week? I, I think so, because I'm pretty sure I beat you again this week. Um, I think you're mistaking, sir. Really? So uh, we both went four and six against the spread. Mm. Uh, so not great. And I went six and four overall, and you went five and five overall. Even with so, Georgia, uh, Florida, what did I miss on? Now I want to like think back. Um, oh, Michigan, Indiana. Yeah, I can give you. Uh, we both missed miss Clemson. You know, yeah. we both missed Virginia Tech. So mm. uh, what? And you missed Tennessee, Arkansas. So uh, basically, our Tennessee that, and Georgia picks just kind of cancel each other out. You know, so on the season. Uh, you are still have a slight lead against the spread, forty six and forty six and one, to my forty four, forty eight and one, and then overall I am fifty eight and thirty five to your fifty two and forty one. So, uh, and then we got Zeus at one and zero so far on the year. I like it. I like it. Um, well, the first game I want to get into um, the. Really, just the team of the Chase Thomas podcast at this point, the BYU Cougars. Um, they laid a smackdown on the Boise State Broncos, getting their first win on Smurf Field, uh, beating Boise 51 17. Um, Wilson's, uh, his stats did not jump off the page this week. Um, Boise did a good job of locking down BYU's top two receivers, but guess what? They have another dude, uh, Neil Pau. Um, who was very good in this game, um, stepped up with 75 yards, big TD. Um, I thought Wilson was just, he, he was really good when it mattered. So he, in the, in the second half, it's like the, the antithesis of the way Tennessee plays football. Um, in the second half, Wilson completed 10 of 12, 236 and two touchdowns. Um, they scored touchdowns on five straight second half second half possession so Boise kept it close for one half but they just didn't have the bodies and they just didn't have the offense which was what we were talking about it's just like I don't know if Boise's balanced enough to be able to withstand what BYU is going to keep throwing them over and over and over again and it didn't help that Jack Sears Hank Bachmeyer couldn't go Jack Sears ends up getting knocked out so they had to turn to their third stringer a true freshman and uh he stunk and uh they were up at like 300 yards through three quarters uh, in this game and it was just they didn't have the firepower and uh this is not the same boise team that uh we are accustomed to with brian harzen yeah that was definitely the difference i would like to have seen i mean they couldn't stop byu so i'm sure they don't win this game but i would like to have seen what they could have done uh without uh the true freshman kate finnegan coming in there he definitely looked like a fresh and made some fresh mistakes at times. Uh, your boy C.T. Thomas, though, mm. three three catches for 31 yards. So uh, he, he showed up. But um, C.T. Yeah, Thomas Zach is always Wilson, show up. You just watching Zach Wilson play, man, I was just like, why is BYU's quarterback so much better than George's? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> like, I'm just like, how, how did they get this guy? Like, just the way the ball comes out of his hand, it's just he's thrown on the run. Just he was dropping dimes the whole game. Like, just wait they, until you uh, watch Ohio State play. Oh, yeah, man. I've watched Ohio State. I, uh, I'm well, a little quarterback. Can you imagine if Georgia had only, somebody like that? Only, only Georgia could find someone like that. <laughs> you know, that, that'll that never happen. They Probably especially not. won't be from this state. No. Um, but, yeah, so Cougars 8-0. Um, they are going to be battling with uh, – with, um, 
Cincinnati for that fourth college football playoff spot, it looks like. And it that could get testing. That's going to get interesting of like how you parse through those two resumes and who is more deserving. Um, it's a shame, man. I feel like they, they both I, – I think Notre Dame may have ended their – each of their uh, playoff hopes this week, honestly. Mm. I think Notre Dame beating Clemson, I feel like, was like the the college football playoff doomsday scenario. Like now, like what do we do if, if – and say like even crazier, like Florida beats Alabama or something, and then you got Florida SEC – one last SEC champions obviously in. Ohio State is obviously in. And then – if Notre Dame or Clemson beat goes back and beats Notre Dame, like what do we what do we even do? All those teams with one loss, like, and then you had Cincinnati and BYU are like deserving of a, a serious look, and uh, they're 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 not going to get it. I think Notre Dame like kind of sealed that fate this week. Well, it depends on what you think about Notre Dame's trajectory down the stretch, and I don't think it's a guarantee they run the table. I think they we've still seen enough early on this season that this offense is still clunky and I understand this is a great game from Notre Dame across the board, but uh, I, I think they're still beatable in the ACC and the ACC, as we know, very weird division and conference to, to parse through. And we never know what we're going to get week to week. Um, the ACC is strange, but I don't even consider Notre Dame an ACC team, but, but yeah, I think North Carolina at North Carolina two weeks or yeah, three weeks can be big. Now, that's probably the only team that can beat them on their schedule. I mean, Wake Forest has been fine at times, but if Notre Dame can beat Clemson, and it's not like... Well, you're overlooking who I think is just the <laughs> the ultimate, like, we just beat Clemson, our first uh, win versus a top 10 team in like 30 years or something like that. I forgot what the exact stat was for Notre Dame, but um, Boston College on the road the following week, uh, this Boston College team that had Clemson on the ropes... Uh, just a few weeks back too. Um, Ooh, hot take. I, I I don't know. Like if you were to tell me that Notre Dame gets away from at Boston College and at North Carolina without dropping one of those two, I would lean more likelier than not they don't escape two and zero there. That would be my guess as of right now. That would be interesting. But you gotta you gotta give them credit for what they did this week though, because I mean, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense, you know. So well, DJ, that was something that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, DJ Uyunglele played played well. You know, I mean, it's like Trevor Lawrence is obviously better, and he would have played better. But the they got good quarterback play on Saturday night, and Notre Dame just torched their uh, the Clemson defense like two hundred yards on the ground, three hundred yards through the air. Like, I mean, if Ian Book doesn't fumble that uh that one going into the end zone, you know, that the game might not even go to overtime. So. I uh I think Clemson, I think we all assume you know if they just go and beat back Notre Dame and the ACC championship run the table, it, it's easy for them to get in. But I wonder if some craziness happens if if this loss will be too much for them to overcome. I mean, I imagine the playoff committee. It's very easy to justify. You know, Trevor Lawrence wasn't there; they lost. Trevor Lawrence is now there. They're a top four team, and I definitely get that. But it'll be interesting to see how things play out. Yeah. Um, well, let's just get into Clemson and this Irish game. So Notre Dame wins 47-40 in an overtime thriller. Um, your point is well taken because I was reading a New York Post uh, follow-up on this because the, <laughs> the the media elite love, love them some, uh, some Notre Dame 
right? Like Notre Dame being good and that everyone's been waiting for Notre Dame being back. Like the fact that Notre Dame and Northwestern are both undefeated, having stellar seasons. It's just, uh, you can tell a lot of Twitter people are very, very happy. What is it about just sports people in general? They're just so nostalgic. It's yeah. like, they're, they're so like, we, we got a hint that Miami is good again. Oh, Miami's back. The U is back. It's Nebraska, like Notre Dame gets Texas. good for a year. Yeah. It's like, Oh, Notre Dame's back. Texas is back. Exactly. It's, it's interesting how we love to do that so much. I don't. I don't care. And I think it's very strange. I nostalgia is poison. I'm I'm on the record saying nostalgia is poison. Um <laughs> but DJ Ugalele um threw for four hundred and thirty nine yards, two TDs, ran for another one. Like he didn't make a mistake really in this game. Like he was at the end he kept getting stacked and they off the line folded. Like the fact that Clemson was missing three important defensive starters, I think is important in this game. But ultimately, like you said, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence makes a difference here like the defense got blitzed and ian book was running all over the place and he played a great game and we were wondering going in if if notre dame had the offensive firepower to win a shootout against clemson and that i think they deserve a lot of credit for is that they won a shootout against an elite offense and won in a way that i didn't think there was a path to them winning, right? Like for them to win this game, I thought they would have to win like 20 to 13, something like that. And they won because Matt Green, as you know, offense wins games now in college football and defense is overrated. So shout out to Notre Dame on uh, a big win and uh, figuring out that offense, at least for one week. You bite your tongue, sir. (laughs) Defense, this defense held Notre Dame to 34 yards on the ground that's why they won man travis Etienne's one of the best players in college football and he had 28 yards rushing on 18 carries like they and he, I mean, he only had 50 yards on eight catches 57 yards on eight uh catches receiving too like they shut down travis Etienne. and also can we talk about like how much money has travis Etienne lost like this year honestly like None. not to like no be... his numbers are still great he's still amazing he's fumbled three times this year man like no one's shut taking down. him off their draft board for a couple fumbles travis Etienne shut still, like, down against the notre dame like this running yeah, backs no. don't stay to their senior year it's just not especially one that's had like three as productive years as he had before this year like i feel like he made it he made an awful decision to come back and i feel like a game like this where you just get shut down like that's the kind of stuff that takes you out of the first round when you you're playing against a big time opponent but not to get off on a tangent i was just thinking that because he i think he had zero fumbles in his whole career coming into this season and he's fumbled three times like and then a big time game like this and clemson doesn't have many big time games so you kind of have to wait the big time games more than the Boston College and the whoever the whoever else they play in the ACC, you know. So, I uh, you can't you can't discredit defense. Obviously, these two teams put a bunch of points up, but it was it was Notre Dame's defense making Clemson one dimensional is why they won this game. Yeah, I I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens here. Um, also, Clemson's receivers are so tight. Like this <laughs> Cornell Powell dude, like. I was just watching this game like they're just making plays all over the place. I mean, and Amari Rogers like they were uh, wasn't enough though. Was not enough. Um, so we skipped over another big game because this is my my stud of the week. Um, Derek King, 
we have just forgotten about because they lost to Clemson that no longer does Miami actually matter. Um, when you lose to powerhouse like Clemson, it's just people lost interest in the Canes. The Canes have still only gotten one loss. They should have lost this game to NC State. Um, we got a nice suck it from the NC State kicker in this game, which is a oh, great you're right. That's that's I, I take it back. That's the bonehead of the week, man. The kicker doing the suck it up up ten with what like ten minutes left in the yeah. game. Like, what are you doing, man? Like we need at least a three touchdown lead for it to to bust out the suck it. <laughs> Generation X in the house. Yeah, did uh did not age well because uh Derek King brought Miami back. Miami had a good defensive stand late. Uh, Manny Diaz's group um, came up big there. Uh, King, let me give you a stat here. So King is only the fifth FBS player to throw for five hundred yard or four hundred yards and five touchdowns, and also run for hundred yards in a game in the past ten years per ESPN. Um, he's also, amazingly enough, the only player to do it twice, accomplishing it uh, with Houston back in twenty eighteen. So. Derek King was just a monster in this game and he we're going to get into another Heisman favorite but I the two Heisman favorites to me right now are both under center in the state of Florida and I think if both of them keep putting up the numbers that they are um both with one loss both in the their conference title picture I think it's it's a fascinating conversation um obviously meaning Rex Grossman and Brock Berlin um, no, uh, Derek King and Kyle Trask, but we'll get into the Chris latter. Winky, I think he's a hot contender this year. Yeah, uh, no, he's actually a hot contender to get fired because he is the quarterbacks coach at uh, the University of Tennessee and has not done a good job. Um, oh, is that right? I didn't realize that. Yeah, Chris Winky. Uh, more like what Chris he? Stinky. Forty. He's probably like forty-five years old or so already. He was like twenty-eight <laughs> when he graduated, right? Yeah, he's got to be somewhere in that range. Shoot, he's um, probably older than that. But anyway, uh, whatever. With Miami, great great win for them. NC State fought hard, but uh, came up short. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on Miami, NC State? Yeah, I think you definitely have to consider uh, Dear King one of the one of the front runners right now for the for the Heisman. But I still put Mac Jones and definitely Justin Fields into that into that uh, conversation. So it's uh, they're going to have to run the table uh, for for him to get any any. Uh, discussion like that because i all we really have is that one one game versus clemson which obviously just losing to clemson and shouldn't disqualify you for uh winning the heisman so yeah it'll be interesting to see moving forward ohio state blows out Rutgers, or did they 49 to 27 um i thought this was interesting because there was a lot of garbage time nonsense from Rutgers. they did a lot of cool stuff like greg shiano is just doing cool stuff with uh, Gleason running this offense. They do a lot of trick plays. They do a lot of fun stuff. Like they're just they're just fun. Um, the days of Chris Ash running this program are long gone. And um, Justin Fields is almost perfect. Only throwing a couple incompletions again. That he struggled to run the football again. And the defense showed some cracks. Like I I think Ohio State's awesome. I think they're one of the four best teams in college football. But I do still think they they they're just there's some leaks here and i wonder if those leaks can withstand somebody like a a format where they play clemson in the first playoff game and then alabama in the second like can they survive with where they're limited and Rutgers averaged 4.6 yards per play in this game and i think that's important to note because 
it's not like Rutgers has a bunch of talent on offense right now. They have a bunch of transfers and stuff like that. They have a new quarterback, but I I'm concerned about Ohio state's defense and I am very curious to see what it looks like over the course season. Cause they, they obviously had to replace a bunch of people across all their positions um, on defense. But I, I think there's a lot of work to be done and a lot to clean up. Um, the good news for them is they play in a really weak conference as we're finding out this season. And uh, I don't know, they, they should coast, but what, I, I just I don't know if it's going to be enough to withstand a a, a two game gauntlet against the other top teams in college football. Yeah, I think this is the second time in in three weeks now that we've seen Ohio State's defense look you know just a little shaky. Like they've given up a little bit on the run, and I mean they Rutgers you know just they uh, just scored some points on them. So I think that's definitely a point of concern. I guess when you're just comparing them to Alabama and comparing them to Clemson, but luckily there is so much talent on that team that they essentially have eight practice games to to figure it out for the playoff. You know, obviously they're going to have some tough opponents here and there, but th- the game where their defense honestly looked the best was against Penn State, and you know maybe Penn State isn't very good, so they're now zero and three. So I'm I'm really not sure what to make of this Ohio State defense, but. We do know that Justin Fields is basically the best player in college football. So he's he's now through three games. He has the same number of incompletions as touchdown passes. So thrown eleven touchdowns, zero picks so far, completing eighty six percent of his rounding to eighty seven percent of his passes. So I think uh, as long as he's healthy and he's the quarterback, Ohio State will be just fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about them not making the playoff or in the Big Ten. I think it's just more, can this defense handle Alabama and Clemson in back-to-back weeks? I don't know. I think we'll... Yeah, I mean, and if you, you've looked at Alabama this year, like, obviously, they're, they're still Alabama, but their their defense has, has had cracks as well. So, you know, if, and Clemson just gave up. I mean, obviously, some of that was in overtime. So, they gave 33 in regulation to Notre Dame. So, maybe all of these elite teams this year all have uh, susceptible defenses and you could include Florida in that too. And they're, and they can all just win with offense. Oh, imagine that winning with offense. Oh yeah. But you know, in those games, the team that has a defense that makes them stops is going to be the one that wins the wins it all. Mm. It's always a combination of two of both, man. I'm telling you, it's always a combination of both. If you say so, if you say so, um, since or no, I was going to skip over my favorite game of the weekend. The Florida Gators take care of the Georgia Bulldogs by running wheel route after wheel route, 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 after disgusting targeting plays that almost kill Kyle Pitts to another wheel route, another wheel route. And there you have it. Florida wins 48 to, or 44 to 28 against the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, big win for the Gators. It sets up a matchup that we would all, as college football fans, prefer in Florida's offense versus Alabama's offense in the SEC title game. Um, that is going to be a lot of fun. And the fact that we do not have to watch Stetson Bennett or Dewan Mathis in the SEC title game is a treat for all of us. Um, I would like to read you this uh, piece from Barrett Slee. 
in CBS Sports following this game. And if you if you agree, so he he questions is Kyle Trask this year's Joe Burrow, and he says, "You bet." Quote: Trask is the first. Uh, Trask became the first player in SEC history to throw four plus touchdowns in five consecutive games on Saturday, and he posted the best single game passing performance by any Florida player versus Georgia. Burrow, the former LSU quarterback and 2019 Heisman winner, uh, had 1,864 passing yards and 22 touchdown passes through the first five games of last season. Trask has 1,815 yards and 22 touchdown passes at the same point. The Heisman is Trask's to lose. What do you think? I mean, I Trask has obviously been amazing, and this Florida offense has been amazing this year. It's just it, you, I just can't really call anyone Joe Burrow because you just you can watch with your eye test and know he's not Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? Like he's he's super accurate and he's a good quarterback. You know, I'm not taking anything away from him, but Joe Burrow is just he's an extraordinary player, and obviously just the way he made plays uh, with his legs too. Like Trask is nothing like that, but um, but yeah, I mean. You got to give Florida all the credit. I mean, they they just carved this Georgia defense up uh, in the first half. Like, just I think Kyle Pitts. If if Kyle Pitts is healthy in the second half, you know, you probably see him score more than six points in the second half because Georgia really had no answer for him the entire game. So I, it's I'm not I I promise you I'm not making any excuses for Georgia. It's it's difficult to ignore all the injuries that Georgia suffered. Before that game and honestly during that game, it was like every time a guy had a good play, it was like, and he's injured. So it was um, it was really unfortunate how they they jumped up 14-0 and then Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint just had that disgusting ankle injury. And I think he's supposed to be out like six to eight months now with that with that injury. So that was uh, that really kind of killed Georgia's momentum. Can we also some- ask CBS, why were you showing that multiple times? Like that I mean, injury you, was showed multiple times. I mean, you got to see what happened. And honestly, mm. they needed to show it a couple more times once we found out they were reviewing it because I was like, oh shit, did he get in the end zone? But, um, but yeah, it's unfortunate. You got to, it's, you got to walk the line, you know, people need to see what happened. But, um, and then Stetson Bennett, uh, it was reported he separated his shoulder on that, on the hit he took on that play too. So Stetson Bennett was already limited as, as it is now sets a minute with a separated shoulder uh you saw how that worked out um but i mean i don't know what you thought but i thought from seeing extended time from mathis and bennett bennett looked like the better looked like the better option to me like dwan mathis he he had that one good run but he just he, he didn't really seem to have much of a presence like it the same thing happened against arkansas like he doesn't he he obviously moves well, but it's kind of how you know how Russell Wilson is just always running. And I swear Russell Wilson has never gotten hit hard ever in the NFL. Like it's incredible the way that guy avoids contact. And Dwan Mathis just has no kind of just feel for that. And you saw him get rocked in the that opening series or the one of the first two series in the Arkansas game, and he got rocked uh, on one of these plays on one of his scrambles against Florida. So I just. Seeing Dwan Mathis, like obviously we're all at this point, JT Daniels, Carson Beck, who knows, should at least get some looks because Georgia's season's uh, essentially over. Like Florida's not not losing twice, so Georgia's season's over. They they're not going to the playoff or anything this year. So 
I feel like they got to figure out who the guy, who the best option is moving forward. Right now, unfortunately, it looks like it might still be Stetson Bennett, but maybe you go with a guy who's at least got a higher ceiling and could take their lumps. But uh, it looks like they're they might be putting a lot on Brock Vandegrift, the true freshman coming in next year. Who knows? Or they just go in the portal again. Like Jamie Newman came out of nowhere, and they I, I would not be surprised if they get involved in the transfer portal for somebody else. Um, I could definitely see it, but I mean the Jamie Newman thing. That's that's what is the most frustrating thing at all of, of all watching this Georgia team. It's like Jamie Newman, he didn't even have to be, you know, people were hyping him up on pro football focus. I'm convinced pro football focus is the reason he, he, he sat <laughs> out this year. He's like, you know what? I am pretty tight. I don't even need to play. But, um, yeah. So you got to think with just a competent quarterback. I mean, this still was 44, 28 was still a 16 point game, you know, two possession game. Like, you got to think Georgia could have done, could at least put up a 40 spot if they had a competent quarterback play. Like there's just so many, so many missed opportunities, honestly, in this entire game. And honestly, there was drops too. It was, it, if it wasn't the the quarterback missing the throw, it was a receiver dropping a pass. It was, or that dropping that pick six late. It was like Georgia did everything they could essentially to lose this game. But I just want to, I just want people to to know. I feel like it's such a common. Like, this was such a narrative game, you know? Like, Florida has closed the gap. Dan Mullen shows that he's the better uh, game coach, that Kirby can recruit, but Dan develops the talent and all that. You know, it was such a narrative game like that, and that Kirby's got to, he's got to adapt to this college, this era of college football and all that. And I just, I just disagree so much with those narratives that. Kirby Smart hired Todd Monken. You know, he he was making the move to change his philosophy. You know, he brought in a dual-threat quarterback. Like, he was making moves to open up Georgia's offense. And then Jamie Newman just bouncing on the team three weeks before the season. That just – that really blindsided the entire the entire team. And then just it, – it totally killed Georgia's season. So it's like not only Justin Fields transferring, Jake Fromm – questionably leaving college early he could i mean if jake Fromm is georgia's quarterback i mean this could might be a hot take but i think if jake Fromm is georgia's quarterback they win that game yesterday like and jake Fromm's just a game manager you know he's nothing he's That's nothing a bold take i don't know i i don't I think mean, we can say that definitively think, we can't say that they, definitively they went nine for 29 yesterday man like you did you notice how many just wide open receivers were running deep you know what i, I did mean? notice that yes it's just Munkin, and if you look at the Alabama game too, it's like if you're if you're talking Georgia's philosophy, like dudes were running wide open against Alabama, running wide open against Florida, and the quarterback can't hit them, you know. So it's like I just it's going to be such a popular narrative that Kirby Smart's got to adapt the offense. He's just Georgia's being left behind, and it's like I understand where the narrative's coming from, but it's right now, and and you could know. Kirby Smart deserves some blame for the roster management for not having a quarterback better than Stetson Bennett on the roster. But we know the circumstances, and unfortunately they were left out to dry by Jamie Newman. So I think as soon as you get a competent quarterback, Georgia, you're going to see Georgia catch up and do the same thing everyone else is doing and also having their tradition of good running backs. So, I mean, if you're opening it up and having a uh, – good passing concepts and creative plays and things like that, it's only going to benefit you to have a strong offensive line and a, and a history of, of good running backs. So right now it doesn't feel good for Georgia fans, but 
we knew we knew honestly like this had to be the year Florida's going to do it with the injuries and just the awful quarterback play for Georgia, all the seniors and Trask and Pitts on uh on Florida's team. Like this was the year for Florida. And and like you said, like as a Georgia fan, you know, I want to think we can beat anybody. So when the Saturday of the SC championship come, would come, I would convince myself, I'm sure, you know, we have a shot to beat Alabama. But same with we me know in Tennessee. We know that exactly, but we know this Florida team <laughs> matches up way better with this Alabama team uh, this year. It's going to give us a much better uh, SEC championship game, and I think they are the two best teams in the SEC this year. So, uh, assuming Florida can avoid any sort of uh, roadblocks along the way, speed bumps along the way, uh, it should be it should be a great SEC championship. Yeah, that would be lame. If, oh, what if Tennessee? We just up in Florida season. Honestly, it's not going to happen. But dare to dream. The yeah, I mean LSU. It's like they just have that like that namesake, you know. And by the end of the season, you know, guys might come together and be a little bit better. But uh, I don't know. By the end of the season, they might completely turn on Ordron. I don't even know what's going to happen at LSU. You you're just very anti at Ordron and Dan Mullen, really. I mean, um, things seem you to have be an bad. agenda, Matt Green. Things For someone who very bad. you rail against agendas a lot, and it seems like you overlook your own agendas for certain coaches. I don't have an agenda against against Edo. I uh, it just it seems like there's some some negativity uh, around LSU right now. Just giving up the points they gave up to Auburn last week. I mean, you can kind of understand why. Like Auburn's offense has been. Like has struggled a lot at times, so to just see them score at will on LSU has got to make people wonder. Okay, okay. Um, hey, I'm the one that said they might have a chance to be to beat Florida by the end of the year. You know, don't don't throw me under the bus yet. Uh, I LSU can absolutely fans. throw you under the bus, and that's what I'm gonna do. Throwing you under the bus. We don't. I you you've already uh, you've already done it. Um, <laughs> Cincinnati. Keeps rolling. The Bearcats defeat the Houston Cougars. I swear there's more Cougars and Bearcats and Tigers every year in college football. Um, So here's what's interesting about um, this Cincy team. And as I was watching uh, the recap of this this morning, um, do you think part of the reason Luke Fickle turned down the Michigan State job is he has his eyes on the USC job? Like that's that's the next spot for him. Because like he's USC. not getting the Ohio State job, he's not getting. I don't think he'd be interested in the Michigan job. I don't. I don't oh, know. dude, Michigan! I feel like that would be right up his alley. Like I don't know, I he's an Ohio like, guy. Like that would just be weird. I mean, that's true, but I mean, Michigan, Michigan's a big time job. Like I don't I think, think I'd want the that, Michigan yeah. job. I think it's. See, like, I don't think I'd want the USC job. Oh, I the USC like, job's a much better job. Getting to play in the Pac-12 and avoid Ohio State and Penn State and teams like that in Wisconsin every year. Yeah, no. Uh, give me the Pac-12, true, but. I feel like avoiding those those games are what put the eyes on you. I feel like that's what creates you know the buzz and then like James Franklin like beating Ohio State a couple times is what like creates a serious buzz. Like Oregon, like we're like desperate for Oregon to to be good and just dominate Wait, who that is desperate conference. For this? And they just they just don't like. I mean, we just we've talked about Oregon, you know, kind of how like they're the Pac-12 torch carrier kind of yeah. you know and they kind of blew it last year, uh, losing a, that second game at the end of the year. And I just, I feel like the PAC 12 is just, 
I don't know. The reputation of the conference is so down. I honestly, my personal opinion is ever since pro football came to Los Angeles, that was the worst thing that happened to USC football because they're no longer like the pro team in, in this cool city like LA. Like now it's the Chargers and now it's the Rams and shoot, they have one other team. Am I, am I forgetting somebody? But they, um, uh, I don't know. I just I feel like USC just seem they. I feel like they have like the most fickle fans like out there. No, no pun intended here uh, <laughs> with with Luke Fickle. But I um I don't I don't know. I just I'm not as sold on the USC job. I'm like them like definitely returning to prominence. You know what I mean? Like some of those jobs, like some of those traditions go away, and it's and it's harder for them to come back. You know what I mean? So you know maybe someone could could definitely turn it around and they have all the resources uh at usc but i don't know i just i don't see it as i see it a step below some of those like big big 10 and other sec jobs yeah um i don't really know what luke fickle values i know he values winning like a big 10 team because they have won by 28 or more points for the third consecutive week um they ran the ball all over the place Jared Dokes ran for 184 yards in this game and they had 282 total. Like they just are ground and pound. Rattler runs for a hundred, throws for a hundred. Um, they're just a, a, they're a very ground heavy, like we're going to punch you in the mouth, smash mouth type team. And uh, the AAC cannot, uh, cannot handle it. Um, speaking yeah, of team, oh, I go think, ahead. Oh, I think, I think this three game stretch was their toughest three game stretch of the year too, with, SMU Memphis and Houston and we had some some questions about Desmond Ritter and over that three game span he's 323 rushing yards and eight touchdowns on the ground and then he's also completing 69% of his passes five touchdowns and two picks so I feel like we were just waiting for this offense to match the defense and they're they're destroying people on the ground Texas A&M blows out the South Carolina Gamecocks um South Carolina fans are now uh, jumping in Tennessee fans mentions, and there is a all out war for the services of Hugh Freeze, who we'll get into in a little <laughs> bit. Um, it's a very weird thing to see on Twitter.com. But um, the Aggies are, if there was ever any doubt, like I am now, I kind of, they beat Florida. And that Florida win looks even more impressive now than it did at the time. But I, College football, one of the things that I just, I want to think about, I wish we could revisit at times, is just to see what, like, certain teams just, they're not who they were in September. And they get better, they figure out who they are, things improve, things go one way. Like, Tennessee started out a totally different team through two weeks than they, who they've been um, in the last four. And I think some teams evolve and grow, some teams fall apart. Like, Georgia against Auburn, like, what we saw there was a completely different team than what we saw on Saturday. And I I would just like to see Texas A&M Florida next week. I would like to see it again. And I would like to see what it looks like if Florida still loses that game. Cause it was still very close and it took a crazy effort from Texas A&M to win that game. But Texas A&M seems like a different team than who they were in that game. And they seem like a different team than who they were against Bama. Um, South Carolina isn't just like Vanderbilt. Like they just demolished them. And their defense under Mike Elko is really evolving here. Uh, South Carolina had 68 first half yards <laughs> that included four punts, an interception, and a missed field goal. 
Um, the biggest thing too, I was looking at pressure rating and stuff like that. Kellen Mond is not under pressure anymore. Like Texas A&M's offensive line is legit. They are giving him time. Spiller is finding all kinds of holes and he has just been amazing for them and a really big revelation for that group. But Mon, when he has time, is comfortable and he's just doing what he's supposed to. And they're just destroying teams right now. And uh, Jimbo, I think, really has the Aggies in the best place that they've ever been in. And uh, I think they're there's a case that they're a top five team in the country right now. Yeah, I feel like this is the Kellen Mond that we we were anticipating him becoming just years ago, you know. And so with, he's finally developing and Texas A&M. They definitely look like a contender. It and I don't know what you mean when you say replay this game A uh, and M in Florida because I feel like it was a shootout. And I feel like it would probably be the same kind of thing. Like these two teams would just go back and forth throwing well, haymakers I just wonder at each other. If you play this game a hundred times, how many times does Texas A and M win? How many times does Florida win? I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't know. I could see a fifty fifty. Like I feel like they seem to be kind of designed the same way. Um, but see, I trust A&M's defense a lot more now. I wonder if they have more success against Florida's offense at this point. I'd be curious. Yeah, that could be true. I, uh, I feel like they're another team kind of like, uh, these group of five teams that really needed just chalk across the board, uh, with the top three, you know, with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state in order to get in the playoff. Like they didn't need anyone kind of shaking it up and then getting some one loss and other one loss teams in here. Cause I feel like that. That them going nine and one with their only loss at Alabama, they were looking like that was going to be good enough to get in the playoff. But, but now Florida is all of a sudden looking like a more legitimate contender, and like they could beat Alabama. And now with Notre Dame getting in there, like that could really hurt A and M's chances of of trying to get that at large bid. But uh, yeah, right now A and M looks looks great. South Carolina, I just don't know how I. How much longer can you sit through this? But also, like, who do you get? Like, South Carolina, they want Hugh Freeze. Is that what the rumors are? Yeah. But, like, you're not... I don't think Hugh Freeze has to take this... I don't think the South Carolina job's a good one. And I think Will Muschamp's, like... Like, Spurrier, I think, spoiled South Carolina fans. Without a doubt. I don't think they know just where they are at as a program. And that, like, if you're a South Carolina fan, you just want 10-2 and one year, 6-6... and seven and five for a four year stretch and then another 10 and two year. And then the cycle just keeps repeating. Like that is, I mean, that's true as South Carolina. You want your bad years to be six and six, yeah, you know, and then not, not three and nine, you know, and then maybe you can, you can get an eight or nine win season in there, but a uh, magical one time sec East run and it's fun, but like there's no path to them being a national so it just depends on what your expectations are and i think certain fan bases have to adjust their expectations and i don't think south carolina has the resources or the money to really really compete with the big boys so what makes it a what makes it a bad job is it the sec east or is it is it clemson now well i think it's a combination of clemson bad job yeah i think it's a combination of clemson not going anywhere i think it's a combination of what florida and georgia just are at this point um I, I don't I don't think there's a path to them building a sustainable like juggernaut. So like whatever coach comes in there, they're going to be criticized for underperforming, and you have to look around if you're like Muschamp when you're recruiting really well. You're like, what what do y'all expect? What do y'all want? Like the, I understand you don't want to lose this badly to the Aggies, but like, look, this is I mean I got you Shy Smith, 
I brought in Bobo. Like we all like that hire. Like he makes adjustments. Like he's recruiting at a higher level than they've done in a long time. Like he's getting more players, but you know, this it's hard. Winning in the SEC is hard. And I I don't know. I don't think I, I don't love Will Muschamp, but I also am not a hundred percent convinced that they can get anybody better. Yeah, that's that's the thing, is it's tough. I feel like a lot of these universities are finding out like Oh shit! With an all SEC schedule, there's no free wins on the on the schedule. Like we, even in the bad seasons, we still had like three or four wins. It's like you're not you're not finding any of those easy wins on the schedule. So I just I really do wonder what they could get. Like obviously, you can get better than Will Muschamp because he hasn't been great. So you can obviously do better. But ultimately, like where does where does Will Muschamp? like go from here if if he does get fired like how many more how many more shots does will muschamp get is like a blind coach at uh, tennessee there's an opening is it, i guess if that's that's i guess it just depends on how much will muschamp wants to be a head coach you know what i mean i guess he could resurface at at tulsa or something you know it just can just keep going less going lower and lower he started at florida then then south carolina and now who knows where from there but uh i i wonder i as a defensive coordinator, I mean, he, he could be on any staff in the country, but uh, as a head coach, you, you got to wonder how many more, how many more opportunities he can really get. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Um, also just getting a little less stress, like just take a break and get rebuild your reputation as a DC and make a shit ton of money in a Dave Aranda type role and just focus on that for a couple of years. But they uh, got, but I mean, they got Bobo. Should they get they Should they give him more than one year? Like in Bobo's offense? Like, does it take another year? I to would get... keep it around. I, I would not like, I, I would just be so hesitant anyway. And like a lot of these athletic departments are hurting anyway. And unless you have assurances that you're getting somebody like you freeze, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not pulling yeah. the trigger. Like I wouldn't you blame got Gunner Stockton coming in in uh, 2022. So uh, yeah, <laughs> you gotta say, hey, give him a couple years. I would let, I would just, talk i i would i would stay the course i really would um Trust oregon defeat stanford without their best receiver and starting quarterback david mills due to contact tracing um they started uh, a player who i had no idea existed before this game they also had a kicker who missed four field goals his name is he's a senior his name's jet toner just all kinds of great names in this game but jet toner not a good a game name. for him uh stanford uh was basically match for match against Oregon's offense in this game, but they had seven points on six trips inside the Oregon 35. Like they just, uh, the the drives fell apart when they got inside uh, Oregon territory and that Oregon deserves credit because their, their defense is stifly. But uh, yeah, the store, the score of this game is a little bit more. uh, There's a little bit more to the story than just looking at the final score here. Um, The ducks I thought looked fine. They did not jump off the page to me. Oh, yeah, they didn't necessarily jump off the page, but uh, this is the first game of the season, and I imagine Stanford is going to be one of the the tougher opponents on their schedule. Uh, They ran the ball well. Um, Yeah, Davis Mills not playing, had to, uh, had to contribute to their success on defense. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, if you're going to come out and not look spectacular, it's nice to do it on a 35, 14 win. Absolutely. Um, a couple other games here. Uh, we didn't even get into Michigan, Indiana yet. And I, 
Let's get we into danced it. around this. And Jim Harbaugh, I think, is a very good football coach. I think he has had success at the college level, at the NFL level. Like, not a lot of coaches can do this. Not a lot of coaches can do what he has done at a lot of different places. He's won just about everywhere he's gone. He is just at a position now at Michigan where I think Michigan's reached their ceiling. Like, I think there is a cap on what Michigan can be um, in the modern game where we talked about, oh, the nostalgia thing. It's like Michigan's never been that anyway. Like, there's been this weird thing. It's like he's a lot better than Lloyd Carr, who got 30 years there. Like, Mich- he is a very I good mean, he fl- did win the the, cha- the national championship in 97, though. So, I mean, he got, what, 10 more years after that. And they were good every year. It was, it was like a Lloyd game. Carr was... Lloyd Carr is like if Mark Rick like got one championship, you know, then you yeah. kind of put you kind of put up with the nine and fours and ten and threes because we got a championship years back. That's fair, um, but that's not who they always were. The majority of Michigan's time, if you go season by season, it's not who the Michigan Wolverines have ever been. In what are you head- saying ever? I mean, Michigan they have like the most wins in the history of college football. Like back in the it's, day, like no, 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 no. We're talking about contending for titles. Like if you look. At Michigan contention, like it's very limited in the amount of times during the last 20, 30, 40 years where they've actually been contending for titles and been in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, if you're talking the... recent history for sure. Yeah, we're but not I'm going saying, back saying, to 1943. Army won a national like title. The 80s and the 70s, and they were, they, were, they were good forever, you know? Okay. Well, Mr. Michigan guy, Matt Green, um, who doesn't even like the Big Ten, is over here caping for the the history of the Wolverines. Hey, I, I just want the record to show that Michigan has been an elite program. I don't, at no, one. I don't think it's an elite program. I think it's a good program. I don't think it's an elite program. There's only well, a couple I'm of elite programs. We're one of the elites of college football, like the, uh, the old history. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we were kind of clinging to like the same Alabama thing with all their history was like ancient. You know what I mean? Like they had a championship in 92 and one in like 79, and then it was all ancient before that, like before Saban arrived, you know what I mean? And then it all turned around, and they became this dynasty. So, like, Michigan's history is, like, kind of ancient, you know, at this point, like, of being, like, a true contender. Like, but uh, I, I don't I don't see it being permanent. I, I think it's weird, their obsession with, like, even said, like, I'm a Michigan guy. Like, their obsession with someone being a Michigan man like, oh, he's a Michigan man, so he can take this job. Like, I feel like they, they want, like, a Michigan guy. They're, like, obsessed with that for some reason. And I feel like that's why Harbaugh just seemed like a no-brainer. Like, he's the one that's going to take him back to being a powerhouse. And, I mean, I definitely thought Harbaugh was the perfect guy for this job. So, but year after year, at some point, he has to win something or else you're, you know, you're just spinning your tires. I don't know. I think people forget the Brady Hoke, Rich Rod years a little too quickly. I think you, <laughs> I think there are little things you can work on. I still think you ride this out as long as he wants to be there because I don't think they're getting anybody better than Jim Harbaugh. I don't think there's anyone they are going to bring in better than Jim Harbaugh. And I think a lot of it now is just Don Brown. Like DJ Durkin was his DC in the first year there. They were good. And then he left for Maryland. And then uh, Don Brown came in from Boston College. But uh, he's put out a bunch of NFL talent. They've recruited really well. But the defense is the problem. And the defense has been really bad. They got lit up in this game. Michael Penix finishes with 342 yards passing, three TDs. Ty Freigel, <laughs> like these names, Freigogel, or Freigogel, caught seven balls for 142 yards. TD, Watt, 
Filer, like these names for Indiana are incredible. 11 uh, <laughs> catches for 79 yards. Um, they just did whatever they wanted uh, against this Michigan defense. And I think the story this season will be replacing Don Brown um, with somebody better. Because Milton still had a lot of success. They, they're they not running the football really well. And this was something I was wondering about too. But um, I don't know. I think Michigan uh, a little overrated this year. But uh, I think they just have to make some changes on defense. I would just move on probably from Don Brown and uh, see what you can get to replace him at D.C. And uh, keep running it back with Harbaugh. Because I don't believe you're getting anything better. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely understand their hesitation to not fire Harbaugh because it's it's like uh, you know you 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 then you made a good point like with you're forgetting the Rich Rodriguez era. It's like we've seen how bad Michigan can get, you know, and you don't want to roll the dice and go down that road again. So while you have criticized uh, Harbaugh what he's done, he still has had some ten and three, nine and four seasons where. You know, they were competitive all the way until maybe getting blown out by Ohio State. But it's difficult when your entire kind of judgment on this guy is beating Ohio State because there's not many teams in the country that are beating Ohio State. But when you're losing to Indiana, it's a it's a whole nother story and Michigan State, especially uh, with a first year head coach. So I uh, I still I still believe Jim Harbaugh is a good coach, but it feels like we've already seen the ceiling of what Michigan can be. So with with Harbaugh, so I don't know. They're definitely in a weird position, and and like we've talked about, like a lot of college football teams are just in weird positions right now. Of uh, I don't really like where we're at, but I don't really know who's going to turn it around either. And then obviously you throw the COVID variable into things and just the financial state of some of these uh, programs. It definitely makes it tough, but uh, you got to give Indiana a lot of credit. I was definitely questioning, uh, you know, the legitimacy of Indiana because it was a questionable last second win over Penn state. But um, now, now with this win moving to three and O and, and shutting down Michigan's run game, like they did, uh, Indiana was very impressive. And yeah, Michael Penix jr. Uh, I feel like Tom Allen looks like the, the coach of the year in the big 10 so far. I mean, that's, that's who I want. If, um, Tennessee did end up moving on like Q freeze. I don't know if I could handle another, I, I don't know if I can handle the, the daily heat free stuff and like the press conferences and just him speaking in general. I don't know if I could handle it, but, um, Mr. Allen, I'm a fan, and I would I would welcome welcome him in Knoxville. I feel like Tennessee can't be doing anything with Jeremy Pruitt. Like he's got at least two more years, right? No, I don't even think he has guaranteed two. Like they're they're on the way to three and seven. I, I don't think he has uh, two more years. I think he's got one more. He's in what year three right now? Yep. And they're going backwards. That's true. I feel like this. I feel like this COVID year, though. No, I feel he's like good it's this year. I don't think there's any chance he's gone this year. I think if they go, um, they went four and eight next year. Yeah, four and eight, five and seven. I think anything less than six, he's out. Okay, interesting. Um, Tennessee took an interesting turn. I, I don't year. want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Zeus's home dog of the week comes through. Um, Kansas State almost upends Oklahoma State to give them back-to-back losses but uh Oklahoma State just a really weird uh weird thing where they are built around their defense and uh 
Kansas State got to the red zone twice. Oklahoma State forced field goals. Those are the the plays we don't see in the the box score, but uh, those are what change games. And Kansas State not being able to put it in the red zone because Oklahoma State and the Cowboys shut them down um, was huge. Kansas State didn't have a first down in the third quarter. That is some classic Tennessee third quarter stuff. So shout out to Kansas State for paying homage to the Vols in the third quarter there. Um, yeah, they uh, Oklahoma State survives without Hubbard and Wallace, and they're missing a bunch of pieces. But uh, Zeus may have been onto something with the the absences. He he knew. Zeus knows, man. It's a uh, you don't just come into a Bill Snyder Family Stadium and uh, get a comfortable win. But yeah, Will Howard, he was uh, didn't do much throwing the ball, but he was making some plays with his legs. And uh, I thought Oklahoma, I thought Kansas State was you know pull a upset just straight up but um oklahoma state they just i don't know they're they're clearly not a, a playoff contender kind of team i see them probably getting tripped up one more time and i mean they still have oklahoma to play so i i i'm definitely thinking oklahoma looks like a better team right now today than uh than oklahoma state mm. we shall see um iowa state staying in the big 12 here they survive a weird scare. This was like the one where I saw on the ticker that Baylor was up for a majority of this game. And I was like, what, what is this? Like we talked about it. like Baylor's awful, like they awful, awful. And they're up on this Iowa state team. And uh, Brock Purdy is the reason uh, he threw three first step interceptions. Um, just what a wild experience for the Brock Purdy experience. Um, just an absolute gunner to the fullest extent. But then the Cyclones wake up and they score 28 unanswered points. Brees Hall continues being a madman with 133 yards and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, they, they survive on a late pick in the end zone to steal the game from Charlie Brewer. And Iowa State continues on as a one-loss team. Yeah, this is uh, definitely one of the more unexpected uh, games I thought this week. Because I feel like Iowa State was starting to establish themselves as kind of like the that top tier in the Big 12 this year. So I think they may have lo- overlooked Baylor, and it, they almost, uh, it almost got them. But, yeah, Brees Hall looked good again this week. Is he, is he leading the country in, uh, in rushing yards? I might hmm. should have that stat, but uh, I'm not sure. That's yeah, he's killing it this year, though. USC, as we mentioned a little bit, uh, they survive and come back um, to beat the Arizona State stunt, Sun Devils. Um, Keaton Slovis was awesome. 40 of 55. Um, they were down 13 in the fourth. He throws for 381 yards. Um, this was the first time USC has come back from a deficit of 13 points or more in the fourth quarter since the 2017 Rose Bowl game against Penn State, which was just an awesome, awesome game. But um, yeah, big come from behind win. I still think uh, if I'm a USC fan, I'm just annoyed that our defense still sucks and Todd Orlando is not the answer at DC. And uh, I don't know. They should not have been behind as much as they were and struggled as much as they did throughout this game because Slovis is really, really good and easily the best quarterback in the big, uh, the Pac-12 this year. And um, I don't know. I think USC's offense is going – Keaton Slovis is going to keep them afloat, but still real problems in uh, SoCal and uh, a valiant effort on the road by Arizona State to get up for a 6.30 a.m. kickoff. 
Yeah, it's just I'm still upset about these guys having to play a nine o'clock a.m. game. I think Herm Edwards said they had their pregame meal at four forty <laughs> in the morning, and it was funny too. He's on game day. He's like, and you know, I'm a four o'clock guy. Anyway. Didn't I say that? Wait, didn't I say exactly four? Didn't I say on the podcast last week that he gets up at four a.m. anyway, so it's fine? Maybe he literally said that. He, Did he I'm actually like, say four? He said he's a four four o'clock kind of guy, so it's made it sound like he wakes up at four a.m. every single day. But um, I love that I called that. That's that's great. Yeah, Folks, he, check the he tapes. seems like the kind of the kind of lunatic person that would just be wired all all day. But um, I just can't believe the Arizona State looked like the better team this whole game. Like I uh, I feel like I wasn't impressed with with Slovis uh, early in this game. I feel like USC's offense was just kind of. I don't know. They're just kind of struggling to get any kind of rhythm going. So I feel like Arizona State looked like they're just playing with more energy. They just looked like the more explosive team. I mean, 258 yards on the ground, averaging almost seven yards a carry. And, um, I mean, to lose this game the way they did. And, I mean, Atlanta Falcons fans feel better because I was watching the NFL today. I think, like, six games came down to an onside kick, like, at the end of the game. And, all of them just like failed horribly. Like none of them even came close to working. And the Falcons seem to be the only team that can't they can't figure out how to recover an onside kick. So uh, Arizona State made them feel a little bit better. But yeah, just uh, terrible way to terrible way to lose a game. Yeah, they got to give USC credit for sure. West Virginia falls just short. They almost uh, get in there for the game winning touchdown. Just uh, uh, just missed. In the on a deep slant in the red zone on fourth down, um, they lose seventeen thirteen in Austin. This was my upset of the week. I, I Texas is not good, but Bajan Robinson actually is. So not having Deontay Ingram, Keontae Ingram, excuse me, uh, did not prove to be a problem because Robinson became the first Texas running back to rush for a hundred yards this season. Um, he's a former five star from Arizona. Uh, he had 113 on 12 carries. Like, I don't know why they didn't run him a lot more. They, they love the, the rotation in Austin, but I don't know if they necessarily need to do that anymore. Um, Sam Ellinger's obviously banged up, but, uh, West Virginia kept this close and they were in it throughout and, uh, gave Texas a, a real scare. Matt, are you there? Matt? Oh, sorry. Yep. You hear me? Yeah. You disappeared. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, we're good. But, um, yeah, I just – Ellinger's been kind of limited on the ground so far the last last few weeks. So their offense is not nearly as effective when he's he's getting shut down on the ground. But they still still found a way to hold on and win this game. So it seems like like West Virginia always kind of gives Texas – some issues in in Austin. They've actually won the last two two trips and almost pulled an upset here. But like I said, they're now four and zero at home, zero and three on the road. Can't get it down the road. Liberty gets it done on the road at Virginia Tech, winning thirty eight to thirty five. Um, my at least you try guy of the week, Hendon Hooker. 20 carries for 156 yards and a touchdown and a losing effort here to the Flames. Um, no defense played whatsoever, as we expected. Um, both offenses showed out, but uh, Liberty gets uh, gets a, their first win, I think, versus an AP top 25 team. 
Yeah, first win as an AP top twenty-five team, and they were also the uh, the biggest underdog uh, for a ranked team versus an unranked team, and like I think in the history of the AP poll, uh, the fourteen and a half point underdog, and uh, we were both wrong about this game. We questioned uh, Hugh Freeze and their ability to get it done, but uh, Malik Willis, I mean, we hyped him up before the game. Uh, we mentioned the Auburn transfer and. I mean, he's he's my uh, stud of the week this week, uh, getting the Liberty Flames uh, a victory on the road. So uh, he went 20 of 30, 217 yards, and three touchdowns passing. And he's averaging over 100 yards uh, so far this season. And he had another 100-yard game, 108 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. So they uh, Liberty, I, I was questioning them. They, uh, they still... They still allowed a good bit of rushing yards from Virginia Tech, but they were still able to pull out the win. I just, I can't imagine. I we we kind of talked about it earlier. I just can't imagine how I would feel if my head coach called a timeout and just negated like our game-winning play like that. Like, uh, you see it sometimes in basketball, but I feel like you just see more made shots after the whistle. It's just not that big deal. It's like, oh man, we hit that three. I called timeout. Like, it's still a bummer. But you just don't see a blocked field goal returned for a touchdown with triple zeros that was just negated. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it uh, it was a wild one. But uh, the weird season continues for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, the last game here, and we'll wrap up. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it. But the Tennessee Volunteers lose their four straight on the road at Arkansas Saturday night. Um, the balls have now been outscored. I kid you not 88 to seven in the second half in their last four games, 88 to seven. Is that bad? That is, uh, it's just unfathomably bad. Like I, 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 I know the third quarter failure is coming, but like last night I'm just sitting there with some friends watching the game and, um, Eric Gray is just destroying this Arkansas defense. They're imposing their will. Eric Gray finished the day with 34 carries and 150 yards and a TD. Um, Garantano was doing what he needed to do. It was fine. It was like, oh, this is uh, what I thought could be the case. Is they're going to play keep away. They had two weeks. They are just going to impose their will and they're just going to win like 20 to 7 or something like that. It's just they're going to bear down. Um, Did not happen. The secondary imploded in the second half. The three and outs came back the the lack of execution and then brian mauer comes in and look the way you talk about dewan mathis is the way that i talk about brian mauer because the weird fans who wanted him in there over garantano where i'm just like look garantano is a much better quarterback than brian mauer brian mauer plays like it's he's a ninth grade johnny manzel and he doesn't know the offense he doesn't have any touch on his balls he's just not good like brian mauer is just bad and he doesn't play within the system, and he was—he had some really bad balls here. And then you get Harrison Bailey. In the conversation today, you would think that Harrison Bailey came in and saved Tennessee season. He did like five checkdowns in a row and drove down the field, and then uh, threw a pick at the end zone to end the game. But like, he was fine. Like, he moved the ball a little bit, but like, it, it wasn't just this. Oh my goodness, how do we not play this guy all year? Um, Tennessee has real problems all across the board. Uh, I don't know what to say about these adjustments and why. They are so bad coming out of the the first half. Like I would love to know the answer here. I so this I, is the official end of the Guarantano era, right? Is it officially I, over? I don't think so. 
Okay. I they don't like if you listen to Pruitt every post game and read his quotes, like he doesn't put this on Garantano. Even though he keeps benching him now, middle of games, like he doesn't put it on him. Like it's on different people. And the secondary being this bad is very concerning. Um the defensive line got a lot more pressure in this game, which was good, but <sighs> Henry Toto was great as usual. But yeah, man, this defense just can't withstand these horrible offensive outputs in the second half. And I I don't I don't know what to say other than just eighty eight to seven is pretty unreal and Tennessee is on their way to three and seven. Yeah, man, I'm just uh, I'm not sure what you expected when when the Vol killer stepped up to the to the plate with uh, Felipe Franks, man. He uh, he just destroys Tennessee, and he uh, he looked good in this game. Like I'm I'm one of the bigger Felipe Franks haters out there. I'll I'll, I'll admit that, and um, I gotta admit he's he's been pretty good this year. Like I can't even I can't even disrespect Felipe Franks, and he had another just solid game 18 for 24 215 yards three touchdowns no picks you know he doesn't really do much with his legs but he's he's dangerous to to break a first down here or there so uh yeah i think i just from what i've heard like you said uh it seems like there's a lot of positive talk about harrison bailey uh coming out of this game and it just I don't know. People just want sometimes you just want want the mystery box, you know. Some sometimes you just you know what you're getting with Jared Guarantano. I just want to see what's behind, you know, door number two, and and hope that maybe Harrison Bailey can be can be better because that's at this point that's what the coaches would be doing. You know, they don't they obviously see practice every day and they still think Guarantano gives them the best shot to win. And you know, in a position like Jeremy Pruitt, you can't necessarily just be preparing for the future like you. You need to steal one or two of these games down the stretch to have a respectable season, you know. So, it to the fan base, it seems pointless, and the fan base doesn't have to deal with the day in day out that this is your job coaching football. So they're like, oh, well, just throw in the new guy and and maybe he can take his lumps and he can get some experience for next year. But if if uh, Jeremy Pruitt, I think as bad as Tennessee has been this year, we're all expecting a win over Vanderbilt. But a three and seven season, which definitely looks probably the most likely at this point, is is not good for Jeremy Pruitt. So even if he gets two more wins by sticking with Jared Guarantano, you understand him doing it because he's he's trying to get keep any sort of positivity around his program that he can. And maybe they can somehow upset someone down the stretch and, and end the season five and five or, or something like that, but four and six or something. But um, you, you got to wonder what Tennessee does moving forward, because I, I feel like Harrison Bailey, like you said, was fine, but um, he didn't look like the savior by any means. Um, I think they're going to lose more football games. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. Um, yeah, not fun, not, uh, not having a good time, but, uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's, that is all I have got, um, for this weekend recap show. Matt, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up here? Um, are we going to get into any high school scores or are we, uh, are we taking a week off from the GHSA? Well, we're taking, it, this is an hour and 15 on the podcast. So we're running a little long today. So, okay. I'll allow it. Uh, I had a lot I wanted to say about uh, Grayson, you know, but I guess I'll just I'll just wait till next week. Well, the season ended when Grayson beat uh, Parview on national television uh, two weeks ago, like sixty to seven. Like that was that was the end. 
Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, I think uh, I, I watched uh, my alma mater as well, uh, North Gwinnett, get blasted by Collins Hill uh, a couple weeks ago. And that was the old rivalry for me back then because I, I came from Collins Hill. Like, I, I went to Collins Hill District like elementary school, and then I uh, went to North Gwinnett. You know? So it was a little, little rivalry. That rivalry hit home with me, but uh, Collins Hill blasted them. A house divided. Yeah, something like that. They mm-hmm. have a FSU commit, uh, I think Travis Hunter. Uh, Collins Hill, and he uh, he torched Collins Hill, or he he torched North Gwinnett. He's a top ten player of class of twenty twenty two. All right, there you go. But that's all I got. Okay, well, go follow Matt at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Uh, follow me at Chase underscore Thomas. Uh, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast dot com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you are an Apple Podcast listener, we're available wherever you get your podcasts. So go check us out. Um, we'll be back on Wednesday or Thursday. What do you want to do this week? Well, uh, we'll, we'll call it Thursday. Thursday. Give us, uh, okay. give us a little time to uh, f- figure out what's going on this week. Zeus has got to get into the research. That's true. Zeus needs all the time he can get. See what the uh, see who his home dog is. I told you. I told you on Saturday. Take it to the bank. So I hope. I hope some people uh, put some money down based on Zeus's recommendation. You know, he's uh, he's only giving you winners. He's only giving you winners. There you go. All right. You can act on these games as if they've already been played. Isn't that like what those uh, those commercials always said about the gambling sites? If you say so. The 680 The Fan commercials? You don't remember those? Oh, you're killing me, man. I really don't. Um, I really don't. Um, But shout out to 680 The Fan. Good people over there. Um, All right. For that guy down there in Dacula, Georgia, um that is all i've got up here in knoxville tennessee uh stay safe my friend and uh we'll be back on uh on thursday yes sir sounds good man nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.